This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner and editor-in-chief of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we're going to be joined by Brian Bassett, the founder of the Jets blog, one of the best long-standing Jets sites out there, and someone who was definitely an inspiration to turn on the Jets back in the day. This was one of my favorite conversations we've had on this podcast ever. Uh, we dove into a lot of different topics. Uh, at the top, we talk about uh, both of us building our respective sites, our relationship working with the team, uh, different times we had breaking stories and sources with the team, the relationships we've had, and the different writers uh, who have worked for our site. So if you're interested in Jets media coverage, what it's like working with the Jets as a quote-unquote member of the media, uh, or just interested in or have ever followed SNY, the Jets blog, or Turn on the Jets, uh, I really think you'll enjoy this conversation. We also, uh, in the back half, 15 minutes, dive into the Sam Darnold draft pick, uh, our expectations for the Jets going forward, and how long we think Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan are going to be here. So uh, thanks again to Brian. This was a really good interview. Uh, before we dive into it, want to remind you guys, this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to go to primesport.com slash turn on the Jets for all of their ticket and hospitality packages for the 2018 regular season. Give them a follow on Facebook. Give them a follow on Twitter at Prime Sport. The podcast is also brought to you by Razor Sport, R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Sports gambling is legal, so you need the best advice you could possibly get, and you will get that from Razor Sport. Follow them on Twitter at Razor Sport Club. Join their member section and get the best betting advice out there. Prime Sport. Razor Sport. Make sure to support the friends of the podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. If you don't have iTunes, you could follow us on Spotify or Google Play. If you do follow us on iTunes, please leave us a rating. We're creeping up on 200. The more ratings we get, the more searchable the podcast becomes, the more downloads we get, the more sponsors we get, and the more Jets content we could bring you. Uh, other podcasts in the ever-growing Turn on the Jets digital podcast network. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the Jet Take Play Like a Jet, Stick to the Jets, Draft Season, and then the soon-to-be-launched TOJ Film Room, Buck the Trend, hosted by Daniel Essen, which will launch in the next two weeks, and then Know Your Foe, hosted by Michael Nanya, which should host, which should run by the end of the summer. I am anticipating that when we hit the regular season, we will have about 10 podcasts up and running, which means that I will really never sleep now, as I have Whistle Sports, Turn on the Jets, and a kid on the way. Uh, but make sure to check out all of those podcasts. Give them all a subscription. Give them all a rating. Okay, let's dive into our interview with Brian. This week's guest, an OG in the Jets blogging game, uh, founder of the Jets blog, uh, formerly now of the Jets blog, also contributing at the Jets Fix part-time, Brian Bassett. How you doing? Thank you for joining us. I'm great, Joe. Thank you for taking time to, to talk to me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Before we dive into all the insanity around our favorite football team, could you talk us through your career as a Jets blogger, how it came to be that you ran the Jets blog, eventually partnered with SNY, and what you've evolved to doing now in your career? Because as somebody who 
was definitely inspired by and, and loved your site before I launched Turn on the Jets. I, I'm fascinated, you know, to hear more about it and for people to hear more about uh, the history behind everything. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Thanks for asking. So, so um, I, I grew up in New York. I grew up in Westchester County, um, and I had a godfather who was a season ticket holder to the Jets. So he would take me to games. My first game actually was the one in which Dennis Bird was was injured. Uh, I was actually like, I really liked the Chiefs at the that time. That was my I, first game too. That's the no. freakiest coincidence ever. I literally just That's said that in a podcast I was interviewed on today. That's insane. Wow. Yeah. So, so being in, so I love Christian McCoy and Barry word and all those guys, but like being in the stands and kind of not knowing what was happening. I was like a, I don't know, young teenager, like, yeah, 10, 14, uh, like 13, 14, something like that. And, um, and so being in the stands and really not knowing and then getting in the car and driving home and hearing the news and watching the news over the weeks, over the weeks, like that really kind of, I don't know, ignited something in me. And so I was not like a big fan of like the Ken O'Brien era Jets, although I look fondly back on them and I've watched. But so all that led to me liking the Jets as a kid. And then I moved around up and down the East Coast. I went to school in Virginia and then, um, you know, chased my now wife up to Boston. And so when I moved to Boston, I knew very few people, almost no one. Um, I was living in a, a stranger in a strange land as a Jets fan and uh, in Yankees fan. And it was 2004. And and so at that time, you know, Boston was on the rise. And I just was so sick of turning on the radio. And all you would hear was Red Sox, Red Sox, Patriots, Patriots, nothing else. And uh, and so at one point I just said, like, I need something. And so I some friends had talked about blogging and I was like, well, let me just try this. So, you know, I got a blogger account and basically just started writing. And it was, you know, a couple times a week or once a week. And then it became like it just became this obsession for me. And I started writing more every day, multiple times a day, uh, getting up early before work. Like I, this was never my full time job. Like and I can get into more detail about that but it was never my full-time job so it was always something i would do late hours lunch hours early hours um and then time delay it like over the day and then was blessed with finding um uh bent it's a it's a nom de plume but uh bent is a guy in the uk who has now started jet fix and uh and still writes for sny today uh but basically what happened was in getting to know and write and everybody's looking for kind of connection and relationship and you're trying to build community and you know, this is prior to twitter and all that sort of thing so so the way in which you would kind of you know get cross promotion was you talk to somebody who has a met site or you talk with whoever the jets are playing this week and say hey let's do a question and answer and i'll answer questions for you and you answer questions for me and i know it doesn't seem very novel these days but at the time it was like you're just trying to figure out ways to grow to kind of hack the growth of your audience and so, you know, a couple things lead to a couple things and, you know, someone mentions you on USA Today and, you know, then you get asked to write, you know, guest columns on AOL's fan house and then, you know, that leads to a New York Times opportunity and, and in that process, um, Matt Cerrone, who runs Mets blog, um, was a friend. Um, was a mentor of mine, and and he was going through the process of getting um, kind of um, onboarded with with SNY, and so they were looking to other digital properties too. Obviously, because SNY has a big Jets, um, uh, you know, kind of what would you say? Uh, they do a lot of Jets content. Like they 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 reached out to me and said, "Hey, we would we would love to partner with you." And so we partnered for a while, and then eventually they bought it outright. And then over time, you know, like the kind of punk rock bootstrap DIY 
aspects of it change, you know, because like it, I didn't have to worry about the ad advertising and an audience. All I had to worry about was writing and that was freeing in some ways. And it gave me access to, um, to fans and, uh, in new ways. And it gave me access to the, to the team in new ways that weren't available to me prior. And so I'm so grateful for all that. But at the same time, it's like, this is a part-time job. I have a full-time job working in the technology industry. I now have a wife. I now have kids. And it's just, you know, life starts to unwind quickly. So so that's kind of led to me saying, okay, I need to take a step back. I still love this team. I just can't, you know, give four hours a day to, to writing about this team, as much as it pains me to say that. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting transition as you end up, like, building a site and then working on a site. How much time fully goes into it not just from a writing standpoint because like for me like in a perfect world like i would just write and tweet and podcast about the team but when you're working for a site like i don't know there's like and you own the site or you're part of like what originally owned the site it becomes like more involved in that like you said whether it's negotiating the relationships with people you you're doing business with and you guys have the great situation of you know, of getting that partnership with S and Y, or finding right. other writers and editing, and making sure that everything is up to the standards of the site, that becomes very time consuming. And like you said, on top of a full time job, uh, you got to have a patient wife. I also have a wife from, from the Boston <laughs> area who's been trying to drag me back there. Fortunately, I've won the short term battle to keep us in this area. I don't know if I'll win the long term war, but it. Uh, when did you kind of like? I feel like you do this for a while. You cover the team and the part of becoming a fan and then the part of trying to like somewhat subjectively or objectively analyze the yeah. team. Like when did you, when is that, when did that push and pull kind of get oh. frustrating? Oh, that's a great question. Um, because I think early on I realized like, I think early on within the first year and, and, and to be clear, my wife is, is she's from Virginia. So she, uh, we, we lived in, in Massachusetts for eight years and we absolutely loved it. But yeah, like we both went in saying like, we're going to hate this place, like with the core of our soul and, and, <laughs> but we ended up loving it and, but we moved back for family reasons and stuff. But, uh, but anyway, so the, um, it's it's a good question on kind of that push and pull because I think early on, early days within the first year, you know, when people were asking me, I said, like, I want to, I want access, I want to be in the locker rooms, I want, uh, I want to be on the sidelines, and and when I was part of SNY, like, I had that, and it was in, in, and it is incredible, and it's definitely different, and it's helpful, and you get to learn about people and see things in new ways. At the same time, I think I quickly realized, like, hmm, working in tech is probably more lucrative and less, as insane as it sounds, like, less volatile than working in journalism in this point in time, and, um, like, there is this it's it's cooperative like it's this interesting workplace like to go and be in the media room it's cooperative in that everybody works together every day um but it's also highly competitive right because they want to be the one that that finds the insight or gets the quote from a certain player or or you know gets a scoop on on this or that and so like for me i think what I realized quickly is I don't need to compete directly with these people who are very good at doing those things. Um, but I also don't want to just be another fan. Like I kind of saw my role as like, how do I, and it's an overused word these days, but you know, how do I curate the discussion around this team 
you know, try and keep things positive, not spin too negatively. Um, look for good stories. Look for interesting stories. Look for personal, um, you know, anecdotes or, you know, things about players who are way down the roster that probably aren't going to be on the team come September, but have interesting lives and have interesting, compelling stories. Like, what are the things that we can focus on that are going to inspire and, um, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, provoke Jets fans in a new way or to think about things in a different way. And so like one of those things, for instance, for me was concussions. Like I, I, for whatever reason, early on, I got the chance to talk with Chris Nowinski, um, who was really seminal in the concussion kind of movement in the NFL. So this is probably 2007, 2008, somewhere like that. And, and it really changed the way I thought about being a fan and consuming the sport and kind of my some sometimes sometimes guilt about it um but at the same time also you said hey these are people that are making these choices so i tried to talk about those things painkillers ray lucas was very you know very open about painkiller addictions like we this is some and and hello this is happening all over the country too like these are things we need to be talking about and opening up to people to talk about because these are problems not only just for football players or in the football sphere but for our larger society and what are we doing about these things and so that was for me kind of what i what i found and i really enjoyed um kind of trying to find in the same time like i loved getting into metrics i loved getting into you know watching film of players or or you know uh predicting this guy's gonna make the roster this guy's not i love that that's probably my favorite stuff but when you had a little time to sit back, I also said, like, how do we how do we get people to think about football beyond just, you know, who's going to be the starting whatever? Yeah, I, I think, like you said, you got to find a unique angle and unique approach to it. It's just such a crowded space now and it gets more and more crowded every year. And I and I've noticed that. You know, the team has definitely become more friendly towards non-traditional media over the past few years and opened up a few more opportunities. But for me, like you said, and there's still plenty of people in my life, you know, who are like relatively like well-known acquaintances who still think the Jets or turn on the Jets is my full-time job. It's not. <laughs> Working for Whistle Sports is my, you know, full-time right. job. And, I, you know, I love it. And I, I wouldn't switch that for anything. Because a lot of times people will, will question, why don't you, you know, why don't you try to be, be a beat writer for the Jets? And like, that's a hard job. I don't, I don't know if I want to do that job. I don't know if I want to go sit in Florham Park every day and try to get the same quote that eight, nine, ten people are also pushing out there. At the same time, like you said, the, the times you do get access and the times you do get to work with the teams are really valuable and interesting learning experiences and it kind of gives you a different perspective on the people in the building and the things that are happening there. I mean, our, our bread and butter has never been trying to break news stories or, or have sources in the building or be the first person to, you know, leak out some quote or something. How did, how did you find yeah. working with the team directly throughout your time there? They were always, I would say, like, you know, Bruce and the, and the staff are always amazing. They are super gracious. Um, they were, because I didn't know what the heck I was doing, um, they were always very, um, uh, like, trying to help me understand, like, hey, this is the culture, and we, wa we want you to be part of this culture, but we also want you to respect the culture and understand it, because, because I, I mean, I fully admit, like, I'm a tourist, right, when I'm in there, like, and I kind of like that. Like, I liked being this disruptor where it's like, oh, Brian's only here because it's the draft or Brian's only here because it's training camp or whatever. I like that. Like, I like being the disruptive force and but not having to like I'm, I'm a person where I like 
building new things, coming up with ideas, but don't ask me to do the drudgery maintenance of it, like on a day-to-day basis. That's just not who I am. So like I liked the ability to come in and talk to people um, and kind of you know shake things up a little bit. Uh, that was always fun for me. And then in terms of like breaking stories, you talk about that. Like I, there were a couple things that I broke. There were some things I totally got wrong. One of them was Tom Gamble becoming the, uh, the GM for the jets. And, and then the other one was getting John Idzik, right? Which, which I did get, uh, which was, so basically the, the backstory on that quickly is there was a guy who he does insurance um, and just in a very particular category and all these teams have to go get insurance and he happens to be a Jets fan and he happened to read the site. And so he, he reached out to me and he would give me information on this team's doing this, this team's doing that. Um, and so, so when the time came for John Idzik to be named, like I, I know I was like, I know I totally screwed up the Tom Gamble thing. Sorry, everybody. But like, this is actually happened like this is this is going to happen it will happen and like i was like i don't know 12 hours ahead of everybody else but so i've been to the mountaintop but it's also exhausting right like i don't want to live on the mountaintop either so it definitely it is very very exhausting we had one situation uh a few years back i think it was pre-2016 I can't remember exactly. Basically, when the Jets released Antonio Holmes, we mm. had a friend of a friend who knew knew that the Jets were releasing Holmes, which was not breaking news. Everyone knew they were going to release him. It was just a matter of when. And you know, we got the go ahead, like, yeah, this is happening today. And so we put the, we put the story out on I think on a Friday. I don't think he actually technically got released until like Sunday night. Uh, and at 36 or 37 hours, we got a mix of credit for being ahead of it and a mix of nasty emails and tweets for lying and being full of shit. And then when it all happens, everybody who was saying that, you know, of course, you know, forgets that they ever said that. But I was like, was that, was, was that it worth really it? worth it? It wasn't no, worth it. Like it was not worth like the angry tweets and the angry emails. Like I didn't like, I'm like, this is not what we're going to do. And I'm not like, it was a lucky situation that we found that out. And I'm not in, not interested in like becoming like a permanent mole within Florham Park and getting that information. If we stumble across like a, a good piece of info, yeah, I'm happy to pass it along. But was not worth the stress over the, to be 36 hours ahead or whatever it was of a player being released who everyone knew was going to be released mm-hmm. anyway. And I was like, I I am done with <laughs> I'm done with that right. going forward. Yeah, and and there's also this like degree of like. Th- there's all this background information that you wind up getting if you don't jump on everything. Like, you know, one of the guys who wrote for us, who was, he was a lightning rod, but I mean, to his credit, he's amazing and he's super positive. Uh, Steiny, I think it's like Steiny31, I think it's his, his Twitter. But Jake Steinberg, like he, he now uh, works for a sports agency in New York, you know, he, but he started, he was like, a freshman in high school and he just said, Hey, I want to contribute. And I was like, okay, great. Like let's find things for you to do. Well, over time, Steiny builds up this amazing network of kind of marginal players. Um, and, and has like parlayed that over the course of his career. So he's like 24 now and he's in a major, like he worked for CAA, like, and he's, and he's on the track to becoming a, an agent. And it's because he knows how to talk to players. He understands what their, you know, what their values are, like what matters to them. And so, so like, there's all these other, and I'm so happy, like he's one of the best people I've ever met in my life. So I'm so happy that like, 
writing some, hey, who here's the free agents, you know, or who's uh, who, who's kind of out there is going to be an undrafted free agent for the Jets, starting with that article when he was 14, you know, 10 plus years later, now he's kind of in the business doing that. Like that is more than any money anybody could ever give me or the friendship that I have with this guy bent in the UK. Like that is worth more to me than any, you know, any scoop I could ever get. Like that's, and just the people that I've met, the, uh, the millions of other people that I've met through, through writing and created relationships with Corey Griffin, another big one, right? Like we were friends. He read the site. He started, he was kind of, interning and working at ESPN. He uh, left ESPN and was looking for something else. And I said, well, let's start a podcast together. So we started the podcast for SNY. Um, and, you know, and he was looking for work. And now he's, you know, uh, many other things happen. And he's did a lot on his own. And now he essentially runs part of NBC Sports, like uh, the, the website's news desk, right? So, like, how cool – it's just cool to be part of other people's stories is, is kind of one of the big things that I, I enjoyed so much about it. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the relationships are, you know, an underrated part of, you know, the value of doing this if you stick with it and build it out. And, you know, for me, like, the be- I got my job at Whistle Sports because of what I did at Turn on the Jets. So that it ultimately ended up, you know, paying off for me. And if any- anything else that happens with Turn on the Jets is, you know, gravy because it helped me get a full-time job in sports. And I still do it because I love the team and, you know, I like the relationships. But I look at, you know – the other guys who've contributed to us, you know, Connor started writing for us when he was in college. Now he works at Bleacher Report full time and he's well on his way to being the next, you know, Matt Miller. He's on the desk yep. for three days at Bleacher Report. You know, Dalbin, someone I became, you know, really good friends with over the past few years. Cole Patterson, who used to write for us a while back, now works at the kicker full time. And, you know, just being able to have those guys like reference, like utilizing turn on the Jets, you mm-hmm. know, on their resume or use them as a reference is is cool. And just again, like even like I, you know, I've become friendly with Corey. I talked, you know, he's been on our podcast a ton of mm-hmm. times. And you talk to all these people or you eventually meet them at games and it's a it's a unique thing. And you know, for the occasional frustrations that come with <laughs> the site, which is people yelling at you on Twitter, people sending you nasty emails or leaving nasty comments. I do think that as you do this for a few more years, you learn to kind of let go of some of the the petty stuff and not get bothered by it. There's always going to be a different site or a different writer who's going to try to get attention by going out of the way to take shots at you. And when you're, when you first do it, you're ready to, you know, jump after every little like slight. And eventually it's just like, what do we like? This is not Mm. worth time, not worth time or energy. And I, people get so worked up about who says what about this team and who's a real fan and who's not a real fan. Mm. It's like, can we just, can we just have a conversation here? But I think, you know, with Twitter that, you know, it becomes a little more uh, challenging. And I'm always, I've still, it, it, it frustrates me less because it's been a while, but I, it's still some of the things that people will say or do just over a football team and the personal attacks people will do, it's like it blows my mind still from time to time. Mm. Yeah, and I think there's this, uh, there's a great song. It's kind of this self-referential song. Um, by a band called LC, LCD Sound System. It's uh, song's probably over 10 years old now, but it's called uh, Losing My Edge. And it's about a guy who's a musician, and it's about this idea that like he is kind of not the new guard anymore. He's the old guard, um, and he's looking back nostalgically on things that happened and people who are doing things maybe better or more interesting than he ever did. Um, 
and and I don't know that the song really has a, a resolution, but for me, I love that song, and I love putting that into context of of just life or blogs or Twitter or all these different things to say, you know what, like. I was there. I mean, I, I was at Matt Ryan's pro day in the in the bubble at Boston College when Eric Manassey told me, like, you got to get on Twitter. You got to get on Twitter in 2008, 2007, 2008 for the pro day. And I was like, this thing is stupid. This makes no sense. I'm on a, I'm on a flip phone sending, you know, ABC texts to about about what Matt Ryan's doing in a bubble. And when I was there. And I started tweeting, and this was in the days when you had to like basically send it from your flip phone to a twi- to like a number, and then it would publish to Twitter, um, not directly. Um, it was like, oh my god, this thing is amazing! Like this is powerful. So, so the point is, I've been there and I've had that experience, and I wish I was having that experience now. Like again, being in the bubble with Matt Ryan on his on his pro day. But like other people are doing awesome stuff. And so, right, just celebrate the good stuff, right? That's kind of where I am now, kind of in things. I see lots of great things. Let's celebrate the good stuff and not worry about the other stuff. Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of some good stuff, the Jets have a franchise quarterback, had a Mm -hmm. what I think to be a fairly encouraging offseason, especially capped by the move to get Darnold. What did you think – I mean, in my mind, the headlines of this offseason, and I think what has been encouraging, from, especially from today's Albert Breer article, is that they came into this offseason with a plan A and a plan B, and they were able to seamlessly move from plan A to plan B, which was they tried mm-hmm. to get Kirk Cousins. They never really had a chance at him. They quickly right. realized that and did what they needed to do to go get one of the best quarterbacks in this draft, if not the best quarterback in this draft. So how do you feel about how they handled this offseason and maybe are finally learning from past mistakes and previous offseasons for this regime? Yeah, I, I was, I'll say this. I was in a dark place after last year's draft, um, mostly because I just didn't understand, like, going so heavy, like, you know, Adam's fine, um, but like after like kind of doubling, tripling down on defensive backs, doubling, tripling down on kind of marginal wide receivers. And I was just like, I, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. And I still don't understand a lot of what happened in the last two years. But what I will say is and what I've like, I think what I, what I hear is and think about is a theme of like layering, right? Like they've been kind of layering up, like look at what they've done with the receiver. Like they're layering up their receiver. Yes. They lost Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson in a 12 month period, but they're like layering back that defensive line with a lot of low cost talent, um, low cost players that can kind of, you know, hopefully fit in with, uh, you know, with Leonard Williams. Um, and then right kind of to the quarterback thing layering again, right? They went out, uh, they, you know, they they kept McCown, who was surprisingly good and and uh, um, healthy last year. Um, they got Teddy Bridgewater, who is a fantastic, um, you know, when healthy, uh, smart player, um, you know, efficient player. Uh, and then right, they went out, and then you know, kind of they had the opportunity to go above and beyond that and and get Darnold. I mean, I really wanted Baker Mayfield. I will that that was I would I hoped that Darnold would go one. And I think Darnold's a fantastic player, but I hope Darnold would go one so that the Jets would take Mayfield at three. Um, but like, I was, I would have been happy, super happy with either Mayfield or Darnold. Um, and so, so the fact that they got the guy, like if you're going to go wrong 
like okay like if you're gonna go if you want to have a party like baker mayfield is going to be a fun party right but if if you're going to go if you're going to say hey we've done everything we can we did all the due diligence we've minimized our risk on a player um Sam Darnold is that player, right? Like, like he is the the most likely, most steady. Like, he's a Matt Stafford kind of player, as as kind of I see him, um, in terms of like what his production and and kind of output could be. Uh, he's he might never be Aaron Rodgers, but he's going to be a pretty damn good quarterback, and you can build a team around that guy. Um, and then it comes down to coaching, it comes down to GM, and what do you put in place around this person? Uh, but Aaron Rodgers like is successful despite what Ted Thompson did, right? Like that's kind of more the, the theme there. So the hope here is you put those, you put a good GM and and coaching staff together and a good quarterback. And like, that will be a win. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm heavily in favor. I'm excited about it. Uh, and they, they got a player who, you know, if you're, like I said, if you're going to go wrong, he's a good player to go wrong with. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think he has a, at a minimum, he has a a high floor. Like you're going to get, Mm-hmm. A capable starting quarterback, hopefully for a prolonged period of time, especially since he's only 20 years old. Yeah, How- and and that's a, that's such a big thing too. Like youth matters. Like youth really matters. If he was older coming out, like like well, we could talk about Josh Allen and why I think he's a terrible choice all day. But like that was really the one thing I said. If they come away with this draft and they have Josh Allen, I will be livid. Like I'm fine with Rosen's up fine. Lamar Jackson moved back for him. Great. But like if they come out with Josh Allen, like that would have been like I'm 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 gonna put would this team on cliff, hold for yeah. a while. <laughs> yes, yeah, that would have been the cliff exactly. How how long are Mike McCagnan and Tom Bowles here? I have noticed that, and this always generally happens with the GM head coach duo. One ends up being more popular than the other. I think both of them have performed to about the same level to date, which isn't that, isn't that good. But Todd Bowles is much less popular with mm-hmm. fans than Mike McCagnan. I think that's for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, from how they carry themselves to the media, to who the guys who preceded them in the job are. How long are these two guys here? And do they inevitably get separated at some point Point with Bowles getting mm. fired first and then McCagnan, quote-unquote, getting to hire his guy even though he was hired before Bowles and was somewhat involved in the decision to hire him? Yeah, uh, I, I think they both get two years at least. Um, I mean, unless just some, some crazy things happen. Um, right, anything could happen, but I, I would say I think they'll both get two years. It, it, maybe if Bowles... Um, really flubs it this year uh like that would that seems to me the the most likely if i had to pick one of them who would leave first it's bowls because he's the coach um you know because woody johnson is a little bit removed from this team like this team is more on autopilot than it's ever been and i think the plan was always to get to this draft um to uh, to, to get to this draft so that they could get a quarterback because they knew it was so heavy in quarterback. So, so I think you can't let these guys basically set the table. Other teams do this all the time. Sashi Brown's a great example with the Browns, but like um, you can't let a team get to this point where they've set the table and then not let them kind of at least start to see the fruits of, of kind of what they've done. Um, I think that would be a mistake. And, you know, Woody's going to be an ambassador for at least, two more years, I would guess. So there's really no rush and, and the team keeps getting more valuable. So, so yeah. So what's, what's the, if you're going to make a decision, make a decision and let it live and breathe for a while. Uh, but ultimately you're right. Like, are there better people out there? I, I think there are. Um, but 
it could be right that Sam Darnold becomes a good enough player that it really doesn't matter uh, what else they're doing. All right, Brian Bassett, thank you for taking the time for joining us. Great conversation here on the Jets blogging life and uh, this current <laughs> team. Everyone give him a follow on Twitter, at Brian underscore Bassett, and we'll talk to you again soon before the season gets here. I love it. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, and yeah, I'd love to be back whenever you want me. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Brian. Okay, thanks. Great job, Brian, and thank you for listening to the Turn on the Jets podcast this week. Don't forget, we have a full network of digital content, including this show, the Turn on the Jets podcast, which airs every single Thursday. My podcast with Big John Sparopoulos, Play Like a Jet, that's every Friday. We go through the biggest moments in New York Jets history, games, seasons, players, careers, everything major in New York Jets history. We cover it, and this Friday we're going to get into part two of our discussion on the 1998 season with one of the best nickelbacks in franchise history, Ray Mickens. If you missed any of our podcasts earlier in the week, you can catch those as well, including Connor Rogers with a brand new Stick to the Jets. That show drops every Monday. There was a brand new episode this week. Tuesday's draft season with Dalvin Asario and Joe Malfa. There was a brand new episode this week. Joe Malfa was out, so Dan Essien stepped in, and the boys talked about the evolution of Leonard Williams from collegiate player all the way up to a guy who's going to be in his fourth year with the New York Jets, so interesting discussion there. Wednesday's The Jet Take with Kyle Fahey and Ben Blessington. You can call in live at 8 o'clock. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be working on a bonus show. The first two installments have already dropped. It's every Tuesday. Joe Blewett is going to be dissecting Sam Darnold's 2017 film from USC. This is meant as a preview to his film show with Kyle Smith, the TOJ Film Room, that's going to be airing coming sometime within the next couple of months. They're going to be breaking down game film, player film, everything on a weekly basis. And so Joe is joining me to talk about 2017, and Kyle eventually will join me to talk about 2016. But the 2017 series is already in progress, and the first two parts are available right now. Part three will be on Tuesday. Thanks again for listening to the Turn on the Jets podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one you can follow turn on the jets on instagram at turn on the jets underscore ig please make sure to subscribe rate and review to all of our turn on the jets digital podcasts and for all the latest in jets news and information go to your one-stop shop turn on the jets.com